Join JJ and Alex Friday from 3 to 6 for the 9th Annual Salt Lake Off-Road and Outdoor Expo at the Mountain America Expo Center. Check out cool stuff and get great deals while getting in some off-road land use. Get your tickets at slowrex.com. S-L-O-R-E-X.com. Kids 12 and under are free. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Greg Rubel, radio voice of BYU. Greg, good morning. DJ, PK, good day. <laughs> it is a good day. So I was leaving uh, St. George. I had to be an event down there uh, for work. It like uh, I got out of there at like 7. Well, I left. The event was still going, but I got to leave at like 7.30, 7.45. I'm driving back, and I'm flipping around on the radio, and sure enough, I find Rebel and Durant in the post-game show for a solid hour. That was awesome. You got me halfway across the state pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and you were talking about the greatest wins, and I'm thinking, well, I shouldn't argue with Greg Rebelliger about the greatest Cougar wins, but I think a lot of us went straight to Kansas and beating undefeated Gonzaga when they were number one right at the end of the regular season. I didn't think there was anything compared to those two. Now that you've had a little time to you know calm down, think about it, are those the top two, and what is the order? You know, they're, they're regular season games, and, and the biggest games generally, you know, happen in the postseason when you're either winning a tournament or advancing mm-hmm. in a tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it, BYU doesn't have a lot of those, you know, deep advancement type situations. And so, you know, wins in the round of 32 against Gonzaga to get to the Sweet 16, those kinds of games you know, come to mind or, or, you know, or, or record setting games like, you know, Jim are going for 52, but in terms of just monumental in the moment, even though they were regular season games and didn't win BYU a title or anything, I, I think those two, I, I kind of rise to the top. And, and although that, that Marriott center experience was unforgettable with the, uh, with the fans on the floor and, and it, you know, it was like the last big moment before COVID, right? So it had a, an additional kind of poignancy to it. Um, and kind of a bittersweetness, though, too, right? Because that, that team didn't get to go anywhere. And, and this team has still has so much in front of it. And you did it in basically, you know, the home of college basketball, let's say. I mean, the first coach of Kansas basketball was Dr. James Naismith. Right. So, you know, when, when you go into a place, you know, that, that, that has basically the sport, you know, uh, you know, wafting through its rafters, um, it, it's tough to think of anything kind of bigger in the moment than what occurred last night. I mean, Bill Self averages less than one home loss per year. Right? That was his 18th home loss in his 21st season. He has more conference championships, regular season championships as a head coach than he has home losses at, at Allen Fieldhouse for his career. So, so doing what BYU did was, uh, you know, it's not incomparable, very rare, and, and for BYU to do it in its first season in the Big 12, you know, coming off a rough day on the weekend, um, doing it in as energized an environment as I've ever experienced. Mark and I were in the belly of the beast last night, and, and our crowd mic was, was useless. You didn't need the crowd mic because our headset mics picked up more noise than we could handle. Mark, after the game, said, you got any ibuprofen? Because his head was ringing. Uh, after last night, and and it, it, and he he described it, and we talked about it a bit on post game too, DJ. That he felt like he was in a movie at one point. Yeah, I heard know? him say that. He, lo- he, lo- he looked around, 
and the throng. Like it's it's sixteen thousand three hundred, but it's packed into a building that might typically seat ten or eleven thousand people if you've got actual seats. But the building is almost all bleachers, so it is such a throng packed into a really confined space, and it was pulsating. People were jumping, and the screaming is nonstop, and it's just. He, he used the word that was a movie, and it felt like you were in it, like you were in the final scene of Hoosiers almost. And, and you look up into the building, and it's, and it's that old-style bricks and steel, and, and, and the banners are all almost like, like hand-painted. And it's, it's just, yeah, I'll never forget last night, guys. And, and so, yeah, for today, you know, it's right up there. I don't know the order, DJ, you wanted the order. But because of where it came and, and how it came and, and just a legendary name and building and origin of the sport, it's tough to top. I thought you guys did a good time, a good job filling time until Coach Pope got out there. It took a while. Uh, because... Well, he had, he had about you know three or four national interviews. Yeah. To try oh, and I saw. Into, so I, and then I turned on. Guy. I turned on the television, and it was. Uh, I saw him doing uh, uh, basketball, whatever it's called, <laughs> on uh, ESPN two. I think it was. Uh, I was real interested in what he had to say with his emphasis on the faith. And he yeah. even went into, you know, little got a little Bronco-ish there with the, with the religion, uh, which, you know, is fine. And, I mean, that's who he's working for, no problem there. Uh, but I, I was fascinated with his idea of talking about the faith. And, and you talk to him uh, virtually after every game, and you do a, a coach's thing with him in the week. I'm, I don't profess to, to listen to all of them, uh, but what did you make of his uh, – his emphasis on the faith and, and all that stuff that he was getting at, because I thought it was interesting. Well, the, there's a broader emphasis on, on the faith that comes via the faith-based institution part of what he's talking about. And, and it's great to embrace and lean into that and describe what makes BYU special and unique for a lot of his players. But there's also, you know, taking off of that, the faith that the players have in each other now and and the faith they have in their potential or abilities and and so it, it's two kinds of faith working with right. this program right now and and so i, I think they, they both mold pretty well together uh, how this is a team now built on belief it's a team built on beliefs plural and a team now built on belief and and that's what i think has emerged from this season uh, to this point and 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 mark is happy to spread that message too i mean byu is a very unique school and and he is more than happy to you know spread the message of of why it is a little different in in the world of college athletics and and i think he's doing a great job of of balancing every part of his of his role that way um and he spoke about it too you caught this maybe a little bit pk and he didn't want to get into details about it but he said there were some things that happened tonight in the room um, at least my, my, my perception of it was of a spiritual nature yeah, that, yeah. that resonated in, in a way that he didn't really necessarily want to come out publicly with, but something that might have galvanized his group and maybe they can lean on moving forward. So that was kind of cool to hear about, too. I was wondering if Jimmer appeared or something. Rock solid toughness by you, Greg. I was waiting for some kind of reaction. You gave it a hmm, and then you just drew the line. That was rock solid mental toughness from you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've had to do that, and it's not as easy as some people might think. So, bravo to you. Thank you very much. You know, I, 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 that was I, I've, come to, I've, I've come to embrace a, 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 a mantra over time. Uh, when in doubt, Leave it out. So just, <laughs> there I, it I, is. I just kind of sat there. Yeah, yeah. Good, good job by you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. I want to go back to what you said about the faith in each other because 
college basketball has always been a little transitory, right? JC kids were only there two years. BYU dealt with transfers. Kids might play for a year, and then they're gone for two on a mission. And by the time they come back, you know, two-thirds of the team is different. And now with the transfer portal, that's just heat up. So how do you get that connection, especially when guys are getting hurt and they're in and out of the lineup, key players? You know, when Foose is out, that that's a big loss. He provides something that's hard to replicate on this roster. So how do you build those connections so you can get big wins in tough times on the road? Well, I, I think your question uh, begets another question, which is, how does a middle-of-the-pack WCC team one year become a top-tier team in the toughest basketball conference in the country the next year? And, and the key is almost everybody came back intact, and there wasn't the transitory phase BYU had to go through. They added a very key piece in Ali Khalifa, and I think, and Coach Pope, I heard him on a different interview last night talking about he's unlocked an additional 30% to BYU's offense that wasn't there before. I mean, how, how big is that, right? To have one guy come in and give you a whole new way to play, right? And, and so they add Ali Khalifa, but that's the only new piece to the puzzle. Now, we have to note that they, they re-included uh, uh, Trevin Nell, who was part of the program for years but didn't play last year due to injury. So Trevin becomes active, but Ali's the only new piece and BYU did what few teams do, which gets to your original question, DJ, is they got old. Now, you could make the joke about BYU and old, but the teams and coaches say that's what you want to do. You want to be able to get old, and it's so hard to do now, right? It's also possible to retain groups that stay together for two and three and, well, heaven forbid, four years. But a lot of these guys are those guys on this BYU team. And so BYU did what so few teams can do, which is get old. And that lone factor you know, is as responsible for going middle of the pack WCC to top tier Big 12 one year later. A lot of the same guys, but they now know so much more uh, about each other, are able to play better with each other. Um, Coach Pope talks about the addition of a new uh, offensive element in Ali Khalifa, uh, adding to the package. That's a huge part of it, too. And yes, they adopted what Coach Pope calls a, a hyperbolic approach to the three-point shot. You know, they were going to be an outlier. And, and, and that was the other thing, too, guys. And maybe this also helps answer your question, uh, DJ. You can't just out Big 12 the Big 12. The, 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 the teams do things that BYU not, can't necessarily go out and replicate top to bottom. But they can be very different and extremely different in this one way. Be more reliant on the three than any other team. And the storyline going into last night and the reason I thought BYU had a really legitimate shot was if BYU does what it does well and Kansas does what it does well, BYU's well can outdistance KU's well because you're exchanging threes for twos. It's not a part of KU's game. They made three threes last night. Well, that's kind of like that's who they are. And BYU made 13 threes, and that's kind of who they are. But who BYU is on that kind of night can win a game, and that's what happened last night. That faith aspect that Coach Pope was bringing up, and he knows what he was getting at probably better than us, but faith in yourself, faith in belief. Dallin Hall, 1 for 10, 0 for 5 from 3 the game before. To have the wherewithal to take that step back 3, wow. And to make, just to, just to even launch it, I thought took some faith. 
But to make it in that situation, and there was a lot of big shots. Jackson, Robinson, Waterman hit a big three. But I thought Hall, given the fact that he was 1 for 10, 0 for 5 from 3 just a prior game, to still have the confidence to take that, I just thought that was incredible. Yeah, over Hunter Dickinson and, and BYU was getting those switches a lot last night and, and, and actually doing a really nice job with them. And that last one, the most notable, um, I, I tweeted out a, a short time ago, um, Dallin's numbers, assist to turnover numbers beyond his scoring, his assist to turnover numbers in BYU's wins in the Big 12. And, and they're remarkable. I mean, he, he is so good. If he's that good, BYU's likely winning the game. And that's kind of how it's been. You bring up the, the K-State loss and – and it's also notable, PK, that, that after each of BYU's last four Big 12 losses, they've won the very next game. And, and the Big 12 is not a really easy bounce-back league. Uh, in BYU's previous league, if you have a tough loss, there's probably a, 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 an easier W coming around the corner. Well, you don't necessarily look at your BYU, your, your Big 12 schedule that way. And so, you know, to bounce back time and again, uh, and this time to do it on the road. The previous bounce-backs had happened at home. But to go from K-State to Kansas and, and still get that bounce-back win is also uh, pretty remarkable. And, and that's what this team is kind of, you know, showing us to be kind of a hallmark is, is resiliency. Um, you know, they, they don't go on losing streaks. You know, they haven't lost more than two games in a row in Big 12 play. And they're, they're 15 games into this league right now. And, and so you can't keep them down for very long. And uh, that, that's a nice thing to be able to lean on uh, if, if you're a coach of this team. Eddie Money, you can't keep a good man down? Is that where you're going? We'll go there. Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you know, I, I embrace the classic rock. <laughs> you mentioned uh, three-game losing streaks. There haven't been very many three-game winning streaks in this league. The top teams, Houston and Iowa State, have done it. And I actually think Baylor has. Kansas hasn't. They're really hard to come by. And I'm wondering now if you go into the whole thing about you know, the faith in themselves, the faith in each other, and they're building on it and they figure something out at Kansas. Can they put one together now? Can they eliminate the Oklahoma State where it seemed like they just had nothing going and it didn't make any sense and they got beat pretty soundly by the team that's, uh, you know, battling to stay out of last place? So they eliminated those. Can we see a win streak going forward? Acknowledging those yeah. are hard in the Big 12. Very hard to do. Yeah, B- BYU was one of, I think, I, four or five teams that had neither won nor lost more than two games in a row um, going into this week. And, and yeah, it'd be nice to go on a little bit of a mini run uh, at the end. But uh, you've got TCU at home, and then you go right to Ames. And, and Iowa State's you know one of the last two teams now in this conference that hasn't lost a home game. Uh, you get in league with, with Houston and Iowa State. In fact, they're, they're two of the top winning streak teams in the country right now at home. So, you know, whether or not a run emerges or not, if BYU were to finish, you know, at 500 in their first year in in the Big 12 uh, or a game above 500, you know, that that's certainly good enough uh, to give yourself a favored seat in the NCAA tournament. I think BYU's almost, it's not mathematical yet, but but they're pretty much – set at, at avoiding that, that first round game in Kansas city on that Tuesday. And I'm sure that everyone thought first year in the big 12, you're going to be you know, probably, you know, in, in that opening day game. And that's not going to be the case. BYU is going to avoid that opening day and get themselves at least a single buy. And they're actually in the running for the double buy. I mean, they're, they're tied for fifth and, and the top four teams get the double buy. That's a pretty big ask because, you know, you, you, you've got Iowa state in Ames next week. 
but man, if you just want it at, at Allen Fieldhouse, you know, what, what's not reasonable at this point or, or hopeful at this point. So I'm just excited for the last week and a half of league, see how this thing shakes out. And if BYU can get itself a single buy, they'll have done a heck of a lot uh, more than people thought they would do uh, in their first year in the Big 12. Going big picture, I contend, and BYU's had a lot of good things happen to it over the years in basketball, that the presence and membership in the Big 12 is literally the best thing that has happened to BYU basketball. What's your response? Yes. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Iron sharpening iron. Uh, choose your cliche uh, or adage. They all seem to apply. Uh, BYU got tougher by playing in a tougher league, just simply put. And, and there's a different kind of pressure in the Big 12 than there was in the WCC. In, in the WCC, the pressure was to avoid the season-crippling loss. And you went into most of your games knowing that that loss would be a bad loss. And that's not the way it is in the Big 12. And that changes a team's perspective and outlook and the way they play. You, you, you don't want to play with, with the fear, right? You want to play with the hope. And, and, and the WCC was primarily a fear-based league. It just was. You had a couple games, a couple teams that you'd get a reward from, and the rest were all risk. You risk losing and hurting your resume and tumbling out of the postseason. That was the reality. In the Big 12, you don't play with that fear. You play with the hope, and you play with the reward. WCC was mostly risk, little reward, and Big 12 is mostly reward and little risk is the best way to put it. Um, and, and so, it, you know, a, ba- a bad day is never really that bad a day in the Big 12 because the team you lost to, um, you know, let's say it's K-State, well, that's a top 75 net or Ken Palm team anyway. That's still a good basketball team that, that opened the year 4-1 and one in the Big 12. So e- even the losses that hurt never hurt you too much. But if you wander into you know, Firestone Fieldhouse and have a bad night, that can really hurt you. Yeah, but you had a good view, though. Yeah, that was always the saving grace. <laughs> Pepperdine. But I had more, more, more bad nights than I care to remember in that place. It was a weird deal. Well, six road games in California in the middle of a winter was always a good deal, but the quality competition now is off the charts, and that's fun. Yeah. And what the, the, I, travel, the travel's tough. And by the way, we get out of the gym last night, and it's like a mini blizzard here. Was it? It, it, it was Mark, Mark Durant was strolling around in shorts yesterday. It was 75 degrees. And we get out of the building, and it's swirling snow, and it was bitter cold. It was the most dramatic cold front I've seen sweep in. And so that and that and that's Big Twelve life for you right there. It, it, it's a whole different deal with the weather. And most of your your destinations, you're flying and then driving somewhere. Yeah. And it's already been a bit of an adventure, and I'm sure there are more to come over, over the years ahead. Well, we appreciate your time. Hey, last thing before we let you go, you did throw this out that you got a tour from the guy who is the radio voice of Kansas basketball, and he showed you stuff most people don't get to see. Now, given the fact that the guy who invented the sport was the first coach at Kansas, when I heard that, I was super intrigued. What, what did you get to see? What kind of basketball yeah, history so, stuffed away there? Yeah, shout out to Brian Haney. Brian Haney is the voice to Jayhawks, and he's already become a good friend. And one of the cool things about the Big 12, too, a uh, little inside baseball here, is just how collegial the broadcasters are. Um, you know, there was a big group dinner at the Big 12 Media Days. We're having a dinner, all, all, all the play-by-play guys and, and the color guys at the conference tournament coming up here. It's a really tight group, and they bring you into the club and make you feel at home. That's been a really rewarding thing, too, about the Big 12 as a side note. But, Brian, 
uh, took me up into the Kansas basketball offices. And um, as part of our tour, if you will, he did take us to an area that's publicly accessible, which is the original document that Dr. James, James Naismith wrote. It's behind glass. Apparently, it cost $4 million to acquire this document. And it's on display, and it lights up, and you actually hear the voice of Dr. James Naismith, the last recorded uh, the last recording of his voice, um, talking about the game. You see that history. Then he took me into the offices, and he said, Greg, if, if Allen Fieldhouse is a cathedral, this is our, uh, this is our Sistine Chapel. And he, and he shows me this mural. It's a canvas mural on the wall. And this is back in the basketball offices area, not publicly accessible. There's a, there's a mural. It's on canvas, and it, it, it portrays each of the final four programs in Kansas basketball history, hand-painted, and it gets added on to every time they add a new Final Four group. And it's this massive mural, all expertly painted, and, and it's, it's like a piece of art. It is a beautiful work of art that basically shows you all of Kansas basketball history over a century. Then you go into the actual offices where Coach Bill Self has this area, and you've got the trophy case. I call it the trophy case. It's a trophy room, and you can only imagine how big this room was and how much – hardware there was on display for as many things as Kansas has to show. And so this was all part of the day. And and then you end it with the game, right? And and you just you're just overwhelmed by everything you've seen, heard, experienced. And then to get the result at the end of that, pretty incomparable. We appreciate your time. I learned that and I learned when in doubt, leave it out. So you know this has been a really good segment. Well, I'm 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 glad to have been with you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I know Mark Durant looks forward to the next time he can visit with you. He had some travel plans this morning that uh, made him unavailable. But, uh, you know, I'll be here for you whenever you need me. And uh, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Thank Greg. You. Greg Rebell, radio voice of the BYU Cougars. We're going to take a break. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, next. For all of you uh, less motivated listeners, it's time for your 9 o'clock. Where the heck have you been headlines? Where you at? With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Catch Jeff Leverett on their Summer Stadium Tour 2024 as they make a stop at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on September 10th. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com or listen to The Zone all day on Thursday, February 29th for your chance to win. You got to change, DJ. You got to change your evil ways. Fact. You too. Sarah. Sarah. Sarah's like, oh, I like where this is going. Let's pump up the music. Let's let's see if we can get PK to keep going. I like this. I don't want them to recap the show. I'd rather hear this. She's got some evil ways, too. Is he going to sing? You really have some evil ways, Lord knows you got to change, baby. When I come home, baby, my house is cold, dark, and my thoughts are cold. When I come in the studio, it's dark, and my thoughts are cold. You need to change. Time to get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show. The Utah Jazz got drilled. Hawks jump out to a 12-0 lead. Jazz open the game with 12 empty possessions. 0 for 6 shooting. 6 turnovers. It was a sign of things to come. Nothing good. 
Another night, another road beating. That is 10 losses of 20 points or more on the road this season. Attitude, PK, was certainly lacking, but is the bigger problem attitude or lack of talent? Oh, you're talking about winning games. I'm not talking about winning games. Well, I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about competing how they lose. in games. Well, I am too. When they I don't say have talent to compete against 10, the Hawks minus Trey Young. I refuse to believe that. Ten losses of twenty points. You, you or more. just want my blood pressure to explode this morning because you keep you keep setting me up to get irritated. <laughs> That's okay. Anything I say about the Jazz is going to irritate you because you keep talking about winning. Yes. I'm not talking. They're not going to win. I got it. I've been a, a loser times, my whole life. I can I, accept losing. And a lot of times, they're not going to compete. I mean, some of these losses That's are blah losses. I agree, but some of these losses, these blah losses, if the final margin's 15 or 16, they were still blown out. And I'm not counting that when they say 10, 20 point road losses. Hopefully, they up the talent level weeks ago, in the offseason. I don't give a crap. I'm talking about what happened. 12 hours ago. They weren't ready to play. They weren't prepared to play. They got embarrassed and humiliated. And they should if, be furious. And if, management should be furious. If they are capable of embarrassment and humiliation. I would think the 27-point road loss is, but high fives and handshakes and hugging and dancing after the game, It's uh, that used to be saved for playoffs at the series at the end of the season. And now it routinely happens after games. Well, I want 90, 1995 back. Yeah, we're not getting that. Where's my statues? We'll see if the Jazz. Where's played. Shannon Anderson? We'll I want see. him walking through that door. <laughs> we'll see. I'm surprised you didn't go Ben Hanlogged in. That's your go-to, but that's 2000s, not 90s. Right. So we'll see if the Jazz have a better effort, better preparation, and play better against the Orlando Magic tomorrow night in Orlando. Enough of the negativity. The happy news, Sarah. Do you have the uh, the Aggies? Darius Brown. Two seconds left. The Aggies and the Cougars with uh, with big road wins, a different. No, they're. Yeah, the one that yes, where oh, they yeah, tie yeah. they tie the game two with seconds two ago. seconds left. Darius Brown should have been fouled, but Fresno State is four and eleven for a reason, as you said, PK. Here comes Darius Brown. Pump fakes the three. The shot is up. Good. He banked it in with 1.3 left. And Utah State just sent this to overtime. What a three by Darius Brown to send this to overtime. Oh, he banked it in. Oh, my goodness. The miracle season for Utah State remains alive, if not just for one more moment. Five more minutes of basketball, and they went the Aggies' way, and the they get the win. The crowd noise went nuts. <laughs> the crowd, all 17 people. <laughs> that used to be a great program, but... I think they listed 3,000. The 90s ain't walking through that door. <laughs> it's been down for a while now. The struggle at Fresno. It's real. It is real. And for the Aggies... That's spectacular. Uh, Scotty... <laughs> That's the Seinfeld moment. Thank you. I, got I know. That. I said that once with uh, another couple, with my wife, and she looked at me. Huh? I said, it's a Seinfeld. I it's didn't a, make it up. That's a famous Seinfeld and episode. She, and that's... she knows every single one, but hadn't heard that. Really? Yeah. Well, you tell her to text me, and I will confirm that that's a- Well, the people that we were with did. Oh, they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like a top 10 Seinfeld right, episode. Yeah, right, That's a legendary. I know. Jerry's a total that's fool in that one. I didn't make that up. Yeah. Nope, that's pop culture for uh, 500 right there, Alex. 
So the Aggies get the win. I think and, it's now Ken. And uh, yeah, it is. Or it's um, they still they split. Who else yeah. is doing that? I forget. There's somebody else. Uh, Chelsea Handler. No, it's not Chelsea Handler. <laughs> It was Aaron Rodgers for a while, but they're they're down to two now. <laughs> He'll have to do it for a few decades to replace Alex. Scott has referred that they are doing this with smoke and mirrors. It's unbelievable that the Aggies are this good with the roster they have, and yet they keep doing it. Eleven and four now in conference. And they don't have they don't have a bad they don't have a bad loss, do they? I don't think they do. Uh well, no, not really. No. Uh, go back to Bradley, at Bradley, in the second game of the year. Second game of the year. Yeah, I know, exactly. Nevada at home, they lost by 14. Nevada's, Nevada's good. Come on. And Nevada soon. beats CSU, half-court shot, tie game. And then the celebration, you see the kid just running around the floor, waving at all the fans. Yeah, I think you got to knock off the fan stuff. Probably. Just turn inward. Yes, celebrate with your teammates. Yeah. No reason to provoke fans. You don't want them storming the court. You can't go provoke them. When does the court storming thing officially stop? At what point is that going to... Why does it need to stop? That, that is so ridiculous. Kids get hurt. Nobody got hurt. Oh, yeah. Nobody, the, no, the Duke kid got run over. No, Caitlin got run over. And they... It's so overblown. These ESPN, they have a certain persuasion, and they think they know better than everybody. Coaches are complaining, too. Although coaches are born to complain. Yeah, well, and they do it at your place. When you beat Carolina, you're not going to complain. <laughs> and BYU wins at Kansas. They dominated the final five minutes. That was a one-point game with five minutes to go. Anything could have happened, and it was best-case scenario for BYU. They outscored them 19-10 to 10 down the stretch to win by eight. This is going to be something here. You know, Utah State's had some... Some really big time wins and exciting wins, crazy wins, and then next month it's all going to be a thud. <laughs> if they crash out in the first round, point. second round, yeah, I mean, whatever. Well, they're I mean they're going to be seeded to lose in the second round, yeah, but still. But there you've are had this that phenomenal happen. season, yeah, and everybody's on a high. Yep, and then when it's over, it's, everybody feels oh, so empty. Yeah, that's the nature. And that's the way it's going. It's to the happen. nature of college basketball. Yeah, right. Unless you unless you win six and win it all. No, I don't think so. Really? I mean, no, because I, I, no, I, I think if you get to the Final Four, you'll take that. Every team, you'll take getting to the Final Four, even if it means losing. But it's still a thud when it ends. Not, I just, I don't see that. I don't, when Florida Atlantic goes to the Final Four, I don't see a thud. How was it when you were at the Final Four with the Utes? They, how they, how they, were they after but, the game? And they had multiple pros. Yeah. So that's, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the Utah States of the world. I'm not talking about a team that had been there and had multiple pros. And when Carolina loses, yeah, it, it's a different story because they're expecting to win when Duke loses. But for the rest of them, have had these magical seasons that they don't normally have. When it ends, it is such an empty feeling because it ends immediately. And it's not... An anticipation of, oh well, we got a two-week series here, right? And that no, the, it's March the, Madness. The Blue Bloods and Utah at that time—they're not a Blue Blood historically, but at that time they were. And so, sure, it was a big-time disappointment, uh, but also all sorts of celebration uh, when they. Well, gosh, the, the one year in Majerus when Dallas, 
when they went to the Sweet 16, he went out that night and was dancing. <laughs> a few years later, I don't remember who they beat to go to the Sweet 16. But he, he just walked da- off the floor. He went dancing. Yeah, he just walked off the floor. I mean, he was, literally was dancing at a place in Dallas because it was so cool. If you missed it earlier in the show, go listen to Tim Lacombe. He told a great Majerus story. Uh, had you heard that one before? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one either. There's a million of them. Go listen to uh, Tim Lacombe wherever you get your uh, podcasts. He talked about BYU's big win, the Jazz getting blown out, and he had a, a good Majerus story at the end. I think to your point about the NCAA tournament, don't you think it's going to be a boatload of toss-up games here? When you look at the Mountain West, and yes, the Aggies are in first place, but it's one game from first to fifth. And you look at BYU, and that was a huge win, but they're one game out of third, and they're one game out of tenth. So if you avoid one of the— Are you talking conference or NCAs? I'm talking NCAs here. If you avoid one of the elite teams right out of the gate— I think both BYU and Utah State have a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Right. If they're shooting and playing well and doing what they do, they can. Then at that point, i got to see matchups. Right. But to your point about with a thud, either team could lose in the first round also. That's if part they of having shoot real poorly, yes. That's part of having this many teams so close together, which you can just see looking at the Mountain West standings and the Big 12 standings. Yeah, the way I look at it, that great BYU team that Coach Pope had his first year, they go into Vegas and at that point you were seated, they they had rearranged it and then they lose to St. Mary's. And it was like 51-50 something like that. And they just played real bad and it was end up being their last game. The, because of what happened, but you thought, okay, it was just a bad game. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, uh, unfortunately, because of the, of the COVID thing, but fortunately at the time, we're thinking, all right, well, they had a bad game, whoop de doo we'll see you next week. But they never got next week. So the point being, if you play poorly in a given game, you can be out. And that's where the thud comes in. Where I don't think it comes in. The celebration, it's like having a dog. When you get to the Final Four as a team that's never been to the Final Four, you're probably going to lose. But that good time was worth it. Dr. Laura told me this. <laughs> Dr. The Laura. death of a dog is brutal, but it's the price you pay for having the good time all those years with the dog. You see that point? It's a salient point. And I know you people like to be taught in parables, so that's what I'm doing here. Dr. Laura Parables, count on them. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. Enough of us. It's time to hear from you. From all your texts, tweets, and posts. This is the best feedback of the day. Oh, I was there. That's the best game of my life. With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I can't believe today was a good day. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Everything you want to say about today's show. 
Without Trey Young, Hawks hammer the Jazz. How embarrassing is that? Mr. Garlic says it's going to be less embarrassing when the Jazz draft a star in this draft. Hope so. That'd be great. Drafting yeah. ninth or tenth. Can they get a star? Can they yeah, trade yeah, up? Yeah, I was going to say, that's what I was going to add. I mean, they'll have, assuming they lose and end up with a top ten pick that is protected and they get to keep it, they've got the two later picks. They've Which got I don't know veteran, I'm going to assume that. They've got veteran players. For the sake of argument. For the sake of argument. It's yeah. certainly not a done deal right not at all. now. Not at all. Right now, 9, 10, 11, 12 are all pretty yeah. close together. Well, I think that the great thing about with uh, Daniel R. Ainge in charge is that he's willing to be bold. And it's going to take bold or settle in for a five-year rebuild. Uh, right. Nobody wants to do that. No. Let's hear it for some bold. Right. Exactly. And I think that that's what's going to require, and I believe he's willing to do it, and they, I believe they will do it. Rhino. DJ, they have all these pieces and resources, and it's going to get put together in the future. We just need to be patient. Blah, blah, blah. Win now. Where's the Al Davis mentality? It's not about win now. It's about compete now. And every time, if they have another 30-point blowout, I'm going to come in the next day and I'm going to be furious. And I make no apologies for it. Well, we'll see who they get blown out by. I get your point about competing, because until you compete, how are you going to win? Competing's the first step on the way to winning. But it was the Hawks who were bad, without Trey Young, with no environment or crowd because... Atlanta's not the most important team or the second most important team in Atlanta. Yeah, I think the Georgia Bulldog football team is. Absolutely. And probably the Braves. Falcons, Braves. The Falcons are a bigger deal than the uh, yeah. than the Hawks. Braves, so, have been, Braves have been good for a long time. So they're fourth. I mean, hockey comes and goes, and Georgia Tech is there, but the NBA is fourth. People don't flock to it. I think it's six beyond family and faith. Okay. Or faith and family. I'm not sure the order of that. I'm going to call them out when they don't compete because I expect them to compete. It's not too much to ask. And yet, very often on the road, they do not. BYU goes into fog and beats number seven, Kansas. How the freak about that? A lot of PH jokes. People really enjoyed that. They really got into it. You really hit a nerve with that. They applaud you. Yeah, have fun. Except for Nate. It's freak. F-R-E-A-K. Boomer. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, lighten <laughs> up, Lucy. Age discrimination, Nate. Sheesh. My goodness. Reed, the Big 12's been an awesome transition from the WCC. Every game is exciting and frustrating at the same time. The intensity's been off the charts. I'm happy BYU has represented well. I don't think there's a team in the history of the NCAA, and obviously I can't go back and document it, who's made a bigger leap. From the WCC right. to the Big 12. Right. Nobody comes to mind. I guess I'd have to for, uh, UCF. Where'd they go? It came from the Americans, so that'd be probably a better league than the WCC. It is, yeah. Uh, I mean, TCU came from the Mountain West. Yeah. And the Mountain West has long been a halfway decent basketball league, league. if not very good. And this year, they're very good. Houston came from the Americans. Cincinnati, yeah. I have to think if somebody came into the ACC at some point, but they mostly came from the Big East. Right. Which, when we were kids, the Big East was where it was at. Big East was a power league. They just went from one power league to another. And the ACC. So, yeah, to, to be where they were, 
and to be where they are, it's night and day. It's night and day. <laughs> and to have this level of success, it's amazing. Bask in it, bathe in it. When I texted Rubel, I said, you available to come in and bathe in the uh, glory? <laughs> he was. Yes. And then Duran, I'd asked him, but he had to get on a flight. And he said, but he's one. Rubel, Greg's got a later flight. Hit him up. I said, okay. If he says no, tell him I'm going to kick him in the nets. Hey-oh. <laughs> and then Durant, in his uh, offbeat sense of humor, he says, do it either way. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Mark would say. All right, DJ and PK, we're all out of time. Jake and Ben are coming up next right here on The Zone.